I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome. This is episode 92. 92! We are working our way up to episode 100, and I can hardly believe it. When I started this podcast, I didn't even know what a podcast was, where to find it, or how to even record one. Here I am with you on episode 92, but what if I hadn't started a podcast? What if I let the fear abdicate my power? A lot of women who come on the show mention this. What if Simona Grace in episode five had never started Moms in Office to get women elected? What if Dana Kaplan in one of our most popular episodes, The Kids Are Not Okay, episode 88, had not become an educator? helping kids who don't fit in the box. What if Suzanne Summers, in episode 58, listened to her father and believed she was a zero? Well, not only would there be no Chrissy Snow or Thighmaster, but in all seriousness, we wouldn't have her as a beloved entertainer, an example of how to age well. Yes, what if none of this had ever happened? If all of these women, and even me, Let fear and doubt steal the voice they had inside. Today's guest got the nickname The Mouth from the South when she was younger, but then after years and years in corporate America, started to let fear make her lose her voice. Now she uses her voice to help other women find their identity. So I have a question. What are you not doing because you're afraid? Where are you not using your voice? What if you are refusing the world what you have to offer as its greatest gift? You are stronger than fear. If you need help breaking up with fear, I got you. Join Limitless Warrior, my 12-week program, where you can permanently change your relationship with fear and finally do all the things you want to do. Go to limitless-warrior.com Doors are open today. I have the best job. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential. Need connection? Accountability? Support as you explore the next level version of you? Give yourself a real gift this year. The gift of time. 
The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January. A curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswatek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Okay, on the show today, change agent, advocate, diversity, equity, inclusion expert, and transformational leadership and growth coach, Mary Davis. Mary was an executive in one of the world's largest financial institutions for 30 years and participated in more than 300 mergers and acquisitions, but realized she was having an identity crisis. With a master's degree in psychology, with a specialty in leadership and coaching, Mary now works with women and companies to redefine possibilities and success without limits. Mary believes that investing in human capital is critical to our survival. I couldn't agree more. Welcome to the show, Mary. Woo! Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my God, Mary. My love for you is so real. We have not we're going to have to do a separate catch-up call. I already told you that. But Mary and I met through a group called More Than Me, and I adored you literally. The minute your face hit the Zoom, I was like, who is this person? I need to know her. I love her. I have loved you a long, long time, and I've been Thank begging you. you to come on the podcast, Mary. And now yeah. we're fine. I had to get my life together. <laughs> I was pivoting. Yeah, you were. You know what? Because you were in a major pivot, so which we're going to talk about today because God knows so many women are going through exactly the pivot that you went through and are still going through it and struggling. So I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Tell me about you as a kid growing up. Were there any clues that would reveal what you would be doing now as an identity coach? At the time when I was younger, I didn't know it. But when I reflect and look back, I would say yes. So I'm originally from South Florida, the Pompano Beach, Fort Lauderdale area, Miami Beach area. And a lot of our family lived in South Georgia. So I'm the oldest grandchild. I was raised with my grandparents and my uncles and aunts always call me the mouth from the South. Because Stop I, it. <laughs> yes, the mouth they from the South. The mouth from the South? The mouth of the South, the mouth from the South, because when we were going on our trips from Florida to Georgia, I would literally talk about everything from South Florida to Southwest Georgia, all the way there, nonstop. I just had an opinion about everything (laughs) and I never stopped talking. Also, you know, as a teenager, I was very popular. A lot of people knew me, but I was kind of reserved to myself. But I always knew in South Florida, that's just a very different beat. And I never felt that I fit like with the rest of the teenagers. I knew it was something great. But I didn't really know what it was. And people always want to come to me and ask for advice. And that also came as I went to college. And as I grew up in corporate America, I always felt like, do I have a sticky on my forehead saying, need advice, stop here. 
people would just always ask me. I became that person that people could trust. It's like, if you want to know the truth, ask Mary. If you don't want to know the truth, don't go ask her because she's going to tell you what she thinks and what she feels. And you may not like it, but you know you can count on it to be the truth. So those were some of my early clues that I had just growing up and looking back on it that I was meant to be coaching and for me, it was who I am. My grandfather, he sat me down just before he passed to say, you know, you look all puzzled. Like, why is it someone else doing this? He said, because you were uniquely made for this. And I accepted it at that time. He's like, you know, he's right. He is right. You are uniquely made for this. Post it on the head. Help here. Help, help. I need help. There's the mouth from the South. The mouth from the South. <laughs> the mouth of the South. Okay. Here she is live and in person. Okay. What made you leave? I mean, I know this story. I lived this season with you. Oh my, 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 my. This season of your life, it was heartbreaking for me to watch you go through this. At the time, I remember thinking like, this is just insane. It's insane what is happening. It was worse and it got worse. And it it got worse. People would not believe it. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. But what made you leave your corporate job and become an identity coach? Well, like we were talking about just growing up, it was always those little clues. So, but what really started the, I would say the first real aha that I had as an adult, actually it happened about 15 years ago and I didn't act on it then. Well, I act on it in a very small way. Um, I was going through diversity training. Uh, yes, they had diversity training then, but it was much different than it is today. It was like you've been fire baptized, dipped in the pool of water. It was in your face diversity training. And it made a lot of people uncomfortable. And I was going through that training and two things happened during that training. And two things. Yeah. So during one of the trainings, this guy stood up. He's a white gentleman. And he was just like, I don't know why we are doing this and why do we have to go to it and why can't they just step up to our standards? Yeah. So to give you a little background on that, and this might make your, your listeners cringe. I live in North Carolina now and I was having my house painted on that very same morning of that training. This training is all day for three days. So you're living with these people. It's very uncomfortable training. I was having my house painted. I just bought a new house. And this guy, he was so nice. And my grandmother was there. And he looked like the guy, the character. You ever heard of Ernest T? It's me. It's me. It's Ernest T. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Yeah. He looks just like that guy. And he would come to my house. But he was painting the house. And my grandmother and my family made him so comfortable. He just felt like he needed to confess to me. And he just told me, he's like, your family is so different and you make me feel so comfortable. I just have to tell you this. And he told me that he and his father and his family used to participate in KKK. No oh kidding God. you. Oh, my God. So you have to keep in mind, it's just me and him in my house. And I have five brothers. So I instantly God. think I have a bat that I cannot tell you what I call that bat on your show. But I have a bat that I've had since I was in college. And I'm just like, where's my bat? Because if you make a move, I'm going to whack his butt out. <laughs> so but he was really sincere and, and he was in tears. And I believed him that moment changed my, it it was a life changing moment. But at that same day is when I went to that diversity class and the guy said, 
why can't you just come to my standard? The second thing is that same day when that guy said that I had had that experience and I stood up, I said, you have no idea what it's like. You have no freaking idea what it's like to walk in my skin. Uh, it's not just a suit in the heels, but I put on a shield of armor to come in just to get 70% of what I am due to come up to your standards. I say, so you don't have to have all of the weight of the world and the conversations. And I share with them the experience that I had with the guy that morning. And they were in disbelief. I say, it's real. Everybody likes to ignore it, but it is. I say, but in conversating with that guy, it made me realize how much we have to deal with as a woman, the little biases, the little microisms that we have to deal with. All of that impacts our performance and it impacts our ability to navigate success. So the other thing that happened during that day was after I stood up and said that it was about 25 people in the room. One of our executives of, of our division heads, a senior executive, after that, he said, you know what? You were phenomenal and you are so sincere and you can feel it. He said, you know, as a white guy, I have no idea. Just like you said, that guy had no idea. So a lot of us have no idea. He asked me to be his confidant and to coach him. And I coached a senior executive and I was just a junior person then for about 10 years. And he wrote, when he retired, he wrote me the sweetest thing that really changed my life. That's when I realized I was a damn good coach. Yeah. And that's when you knew I, this corporate thing and is I, not. Is yeah. Not and I realized that I got to do something, but I still couldn't move. Pivoting is so hard. So I went back to school then to get my master's degree in psychology, leadership and coaching. Yes. And I knew I was going to pivot, but I said I was going to work for the organization that I was working for. And I'm like, I can't do this because they're not real. I need to be on my own to do this. And I kept working. So years passed, but my job started to exhaust me. I was so exhausted and I felt like I was working more and more and not getting paid for what I worth. Keep in mind, I work for a financial institution that is over 11.9 trillion, trillion in assets. I was the face for them with dealing with the government, dealing with the regulars, telling where to go, when to go to the restroom, how to say it, how to serve it up. And I wasn't getting paid my worth and it was exhausting. I literally scheduled a bathroom break. One oh, my one God. When you got to schedule a bathroom break, then you are working way too damn hard. I would work from eight in the morning to 12 midnight and they would want to start again. It was it was exhausting. I, I, I felt like my breath was even toxic. And that's when I said, you know what? I have to go. I just I will figure it out. I know, and I and I actually look at it while it was uncomfortable. I feel that that was God pushing me, the universe pushing me because I had stayed too long. It's like, if you're not going to leave, we're going to make you so uncomfortable that you got to get your butt up and go. And that's what I did. Well, you know what's funny about that? I have a, I have a couple girlfriends that did the same thing. And we would be walking in the morning. I hate this job and I got to get out of here. And they were treating her so horribly. They were doing all these things, making all these changes, cutting her pay, doing all this. It was that happened to like, me. yeah, I know. That's why I'm mentioning it. And I'm telling you, it's like that old adage, right? Where the person is like, God, save me. You didn't send me any warnings. And he's like, no, 
Did you see the boat that went by? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to take the boat. Did you see the life raft I sent? Oh, well, no. Did you see that I built a bridge on the other side? Did you see that? Oh, oh yeah, no, I saw that. It, you know, it, it's funny, right? It, but sometimes, as Tony Robbins says, you got to burn the boats. Yeah. You got to make it so there is no way that you are going to go back to that island. You got to, or that you're going to, there's just no other choice. You're going to burn the boats. Can't get off the island. Can't go. There's no other choices. And that's, it's kind of like, sometimes they put you in a position where there's no other way because you're physically exhausted. You're emotionally exhausted. You're going to have a breakdown and you yeah. got to go. That happened on this podcast. I talked about that with Amy Young and Tanya Del Pozo. So it's funny, right? This is something that women go through. But I think what's so great about you, Mary, is that you are helping women now not wait that long. Don't don't do that to yourself, right? Don't no. don't wait until you're falling on the floor to make a change that you know you need to make. Yeah, I knew I need, needed to leave. But, you know, uh, this is the thing. Other women make you feel guilty. Other people make you feel guilty. And because I'm an African-American, other Blacks make me feel guilty. I felt like I had to carry the world of the Black race on my shoulder. You're going to leave a job making that much money? You're going to leave this or whatever? You know, people talk about six-figure. I made that a couple of times over. But and people are like, you're going to leave that? Hell yeah, I'm going to leave. Because I. it's about me living. I can't live. And I felt like I had no trust, like you said. And and I burnt the boat. You know, by the time it got so bad, it's so interesting when I decided that I was going to retire because, you know, black doesn't crack. I think they thought I was younger than I was. And I'm like, <laughs> they're like, you can't leave. I know you've heard that term. Black don't crack. Yeah, um, I love that term because it's true. Every, every <laughs> black woman I know, I'm like, how the hell is this person not aging? It's insane. <laughs> So but when, I, when I said I was retired, it, it was a fight to retire. When they pay men all the time to leave politely, I literally had to fight to leave, yeah. which was insane. Insane. It, it was, was a long fight. battle, but you won. Oh, yeah, I won. And people are like, are you going to do that? I say, you darn right. I'm going to do it. I didn't use those words. It was something a little stronger. Yeah, but I'm like, I am going to leave. And it was freeing. And, you know, I don't want other women to go through that, to take that long to go. But the clues were there. And I just was I felt guilty for a while. Other people made me feel guilty for leaving. And it's just like, you know, this is who I am. I have to be me if I'm going to continue to live. And it's and your life, by the way. It's my life. So and I feel like God gives us all our lives for other people. Like. What? It's my life. Right? It's my life. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, tell me how you're helping other women with their identity. The reason that I am an identity coach is because I just believe that we're all uniquely and divinely made. No matter whether you believe in the universe, God, whatever it is, there's not another person like you. Like, there's not another person like Liz. There's not another Mary. They name me, their name may be Mary, but there's not another me because we have unique experiences that make me, me, makes you you. Because when I was in corporate America, even though it was challenging leaving, one of the reasons they didn't want me to leave is because I had learned to lean into my identity. I did not bite my tongue. It doesn't make a difference who it was. CEO says something stupid. I'm sending a letter. I'm having conversations. I did not bite my tongue. Did it cost me? Absolutely. But the gain of what I got from it was so much greater. 
so much greater than that. And what I'm helping women to do now is to lean into their identity and to trust the signs that they see. I do that through my own The Leader Within because I believe that every person has the potential to be a leader. You don't have to be in corporate America. You don't have to be a manager. It's about leading yourself, a leading your life. So I have a program that I've created called Own the Leader Within is my program and my Own the Leader Within Academy, where I teach women to lean into their identity. We go through exercises where we talk about what makes up their identity. Your identity makes up your relationships, your experiences, all of the people that you have in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly, ugly, all of those things make up you. And when they converge, that's you. And getting them to lean into their gifts and their talents and using that to drive success. Because what I've realized and what I'm teaching other women is when you appreciate you, the good, the bad, the ugly, and you combine that with your strengths and talents, that's your secret sauce. Yes. You're, you're, you're superwoman. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing that you cannot do that falls into the desires of your heart. Yes. And I do that through my coaching program. I have a group coaching program for Own the Leader Within. And I do one-on-one coaching for individuals who want to pivot, teaching them how to make their skills transferable. One of the things I do is, you know, I did a lot in the organization that I work for. So I bring those skills and those experiences for it. And I teach other people to do the same. Tell me, what do you think is the most common thing you see with the women that you coach? The most common problem when they start working with you? Because I'm sure there's some kind of like universal truths that kind of come up, right? Like worthiness or I don't know. I, I, I don't, a lot of times it comes down to fear. A lot of times it comes down to worthiness. Like what do you see the most so, with these women? A couple of things. A lot of them do not understand their worth and and they lack the confidence. And that's because everything that we know about success has been designed. We've been told to fit in. And so we fit in to get in so we can have what they've said success looks like. And we bought it lock, box and stare. Um, What is the phrase? Lock, lock box, and stock and barrel. I had to think about lock, stock and like, barrel. Yes. Lock, stock and barrel. Yes. <laughs> and we bought it. You know, whether you're a woman, whether you're a minority, this is what we have believed because it's designed by men. They have all the power. So we all have a little of that until you have to work through that. So the lack of confidence the lack of work that you are worthy. And what did it for me was just like, I, I'm a numbers person. I have a bachelor's in accounting. So I'm looking, I'm like, man, I'm getting them out of lawsuits, litigations, and they have what? $11.9 trillion. I'm worth more than that. I'm worth at least that. But other people don't realize what you do and what you contribute. And we don't speak up for ourselves. A lot of them don't want to recognize their accomplishments. We downplay it because society downplays the woman. So then we then downplay ourselves and our accomplishments. So that's one of the things. Most of them, they're like, I don't know, I haven't had any accomplishments. I'm like, yes, you do. I just had a vision board brunch. And one of the things, the first thing is like, let's celebrate 2021 before we go into 2022. People cannot celebrate. People cannot celebrate. What is it? I used to have a problem with it because we're so busy checking the box. 
Because we're we just, just trying to roll get over it. Like, oh, I did that. Bye. Like, oh, hello. Like, can we take a moment? I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too. I'm saying this about me as well. I can't believe how women do that. We we just on to the next. Yeah, I think the other thing is what they they don't realize that their skills are transferable, or they don't know how. It's like, well, I can't do this for money, so they don't recognize if you're doing it there, you can do it here too, for yourself by yourself. Oh, this is a big one. With women, we want to do everything ourselves. And we feel guilty if we have to go out and get help. We're running the household. We're, we're doing a, a job. We're corporate executives. We're raising our kids. We, we're loving our spouses and, and catering to their needs, whatever they, there is. We don't want to get help. What I've learned and what I've seen in most women is that they do not want to get help. And what I've learned is it's not what you need to be doing is who you need to get to help you. I have a coach or, or somebody helping me almost for every aspect of my life. It's crazy. I have a friend who's an executive at one of the other largest banks. These are six-figure women and they are working crazy hours. I'm having a conversation. Why don't you get a housekeeper to help you? That's not your thing. So what? Pay somebody. There are some people who love doing it and, and it provides a living for them. They don't want to get help. I mean, they don't want to get help with cooking or just stuff that they need. Yeah. Get help. And get they help. feel guilty about it. And so it's okay I to ask for help. That's what I see. They don't want to get help. And they are afraid, like, I can't make enough money doing that. It's like, why would you think that? A lot of them think, I can't make enough money. But you're doing this for a company that's so large. Why do you think you can't do it? Right. When I decided to do it, it's like I had a financial advisor and I'm just like, because I'm like, it's your job to, to figure this out. I have an account degree, but you need to figure it out. This is what I pay you for. I need three options so that I can make an informed decision. And if he wouldn't give me three options, I was going to pick somebody else. Yeah. Keep going until you get someone who can meet you where you are. That's what women and need provide to what you need. Yeah. And provide what you need. Yes. I love that, Mary. Um, and I was going to say, you know, cause I recently certified as a coach myself and yay, congratulations. One, thank you, girl. I was thinking to myself, like when you were telling that story, you know, a lot of people, they just do things like they say, well, this is who I am. This is who I am. They say this is who I am, but it's not who you are. No, they don't know who they are. I think you are. It's who you think yeah. you are, but who, who you've been told you are, but it's not really who you are because if you think about it, right, we're all walking around with a set of lenses. Like we have our little glasses on, not our literal glasses, but like actual glass. We're walking around with our glasses on, right? We see the world one way. If you don't like the way you're seeing the world, all you have to do is change the lens. Change That's one of the things it's that the I It's the easiest love. thing in the world, but people don't do it because they get caught up, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, but, but this is really who I am. I'm, I just, I don't make, I don't really make a lot of money. I'm like, oh, you don't? Okay, well change the lens and then you can make a lot of money. Exactly. Well, that's one of the reasons I became an identity coach, too. It's just like when you recognize who you are, you recognize your power, you can change it. We get the joy of every day rewriting the script. Yes. We we and I set that intention. I learned to set intentions as a young girl and I set that intention to rewrite the script every day. Okay. Bad things happen. Rewrite the script. Those bad things will not define me. I am not those bad things. Rewrite yeah. the script. 
rewrite the script, change the lens. Tell me about your unique and organic approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I feel like a lot of companies, Mary, and we have talked about this, are just giving lip service to this and they just kind of like want to get it done, but they really don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. And what is wrong with uncomfortable? I'd like to know, but tell me about your approach. So my approach, of course, it goes back to identity. You get people to own their identity and the uniqueness of them. They're more open to others' uniqueness. That's number one. So I do inclusion coaching. And as a part of that, everything I do has to do with identity. That inclusion coaching starts with who you are and appreciating how you became, how you came to be who you are. So I teach inclusion coaching. I do inclusion workshops, but also, so my background, one of my expertise is risk and analysis. So I have designed unique program where I go in and consult with organizations and detect and assess where you have unconscious bias, meaning that it's unintentional through your policies, processes, and procedures. Because companies don't want to get sued. So if it's unconscious, you're less likely to get sued. And going in and assessing that so that they can be proactive in addressing their needs by leveraging and appreciating and not crucifying someone if something went wrong or people went astray or they're acting off of their emotions and unintended consequences happen. We go in through that lens of identity and unconscious bias to do assessments. I'm working with companies to get them to do proactive assessments, not just a survey, but an assessment, just like an audit of your practices. How do you detect those things through there? Is there anything that surprised you in working with these companies? It's tough. I think some people are surprised at results of what they see and they can swallow the inclusion coaching and the identity real easy. And when they do that, it just makes them more approachable for others. And then you can see the light bulb going off. Well, we can do this or we can do that. How can we change this? And when you start to look at what policies and procedures don't really work and what they really need to do, not just going out and saying, oh, well, we don't do this, but what do you need to do internally? It changes the conversation about what do they need to do internally to make it so that if someone is doing something, And it's unconscious that we can be proactive and we have proactive systems in place that we can prevent those things from happening and having a significant impact to anyone. Tell me about your nonprofit work. So this is what I say about setting intentions. So when I knew I was going to retire, even though it was a little challenging, took me a while to get out. Because of the hours I was working, I always felt like I did do enough service. I believe when you serve others, your blessings come. I believe we are put here to be of service to others. What And it could look like different things to different people. I didn't know what I would do, but I knew I wanted to be on a board. So once I retired, I just said that I need to be on the board. I know a lot of executives. I'm like, you know someone that can use my skill sets. And one of my friends 
recommended me for a board. I work, I never thought I would see myself here. So I were, I'm on the board for Dahlia Grove. Dahlia Grove is a nonprofit organization that has a two-year program where we help support survivors of human trafficking, domestic violence, and sexual exploitation. And every Friday, I am teaching financial literacy to survivors of human trafficking and sexual exploitation. I never thought I would be doing that on a Friday. And I never thought I would be, it's not something I pick, it kind of found me. And it works with who I am about identity because those women struggle with understanding who they are. They're not their experiences. You know, that, that doesn't make up the whole of who they are. And I get so much joy out of it. Just being of service, giving them life, giving them a place to stay and helping them to find their identity and helping them to get on their feet. Because human trafficking is such a big thing. It is a multi-billion dollar industry, billion. And what I've learned is that it can happen to me. It can happen to your child. It can happen to your son. I mean, it, it is amazing the 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 span that this human trafficking business has. Yeah, it's, it's and it happens in plain sight. You would never devastating. know. It's devastating. I've looked into a little bit too. I've worked with another uh, group. I can't even remember the name right now, but it is it devastating. And I didn't know it was that big of an industry, but the, it is devastating. And I think I, it's been such a reframe. I remember we used to call it like prostitution and all this. Is if mm-hmm. is if a twelve year old, a thirteen year old, a fourteen year old is choosing a life of being someone's sex life. <laughs> like, I, I mean, know. I think it's crazy, but like back in the day, remember we used to kind of blame them. We used to think it was their problem and their fault. Only recently have we realized, like come to the awareness that this is human trafficking. Let's call it what it is. You're enslaving people. That's what you're doing. Yeah. So it, I'm really happy for that reframe, but it's, we got a lot more work to do. We have a lot work. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, they have this mental view of what it looks like. I mean, these people have money. It's it's really big. So it's not just the poor pimp out on the street or the the girl that you see walking. It is really big. You know, it's in executives. You know, it's in look at Jeffrey Epstein. Look at Jeffrey Epstein. Look how long he covered that up. Look how look Uh, what he was able to do for so long, and all the people that helped him, and all the people involved. It's a web of lies and deceit that is deep in political and entertainment and all those big sectors and big, big money. You're right. It's big money. And I've learned, and I, and I think this is a thing that all women need to get behind because it could be your daughter. It could be you. Some of these women, they haven't seen their kids because they've been on the street. One person that I met that I've become very good friends with, they um, are on the advisory board. I met a couple of women that are on the advisory board for human trafficking for the um, president. In the stories, I feel like I'm like, okay, you're dummy. You don't even realize this, but it's I'm so green, and most people are when I tell my friends they're so green, they have no idea. No, we would have no idea in in front of them. It's just like she was picked up at age like 12 in in traffic, but then when you're in it so long, yeah, it's hard to get out. It's hard to get out. And then they become prostitutes. I understand that whole chain of prostitutes. And some of them, they drug. So, you know, it's it's crazy. 
Present. Even through the dating apps. That's what I learned. My daughter, when I was telling her about this, um, she started deleting all of her little dating apps. My daughter's 31. But I was telling her how some of the ladies' stories and how I've learned certain things. This one girl, she dated a guy. She thought she was being really good, minimally out. But they dated socially for two years. He took her across the country and she was kidnapped for two years. He baited her that long. Oh, so he, yeah, he groomed her. He he groomed her her for two freaking years. That's heartbreaking. It is. So as a woman, I just felt like it it takes that stripping away our identity. It strips away everything that's good about us. And I enjoy working with these women, giving them control back. Because I believe when you own who you are and how you came to be and not just letting the things that happen to you be you, you get your power back. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to put their uh, link in the show notes if people want to donate to them, too. Yeah, they're um, DahliaGrove.org. OK, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, how can people or companies work with you? Because we're, we're going to get into the speed round in about one second here, Mary, because, you know, I like to party with you. So yeah. Before we do that, let, tell me how can people or companies work with you? So they can go to my website at maryhdavis.com. They can contact me on my social media, which is at Mary H. Davis Coaching. Um, or they can email me at mary at maryhdavis.com. I'm going to put all that in the show notes, but you speak, you coach, you work with companies. So there's a, a million ways that people can really get involved with you. Yes, you really I do. great courses. You do these mm-hmm. vision board brunches. You do... You know, like you were saying that that leader within course. So you've got a lot of fun ways that people can kind of dip their toe in with you and kind of be with you. Right. Absolutely. They can either join my group coaching. They can contact me for the one on one coaching. They can ask me to come speak to their organizations. I speak on change management operating in chaos. I know a lot about that. Of course, I speak on my favorite topic about identity. Um, I speak on diversity, equity, and inclusion and how we pivot and how we make a difference. So, and I do custom speeches also, depending on the situation. So they can contact me if they want me to come in and consult for their organization. If they want me to speak, I do group coaching. I can come to the organization or I do virtual organizational training too. I love it. All right. On to the speed round. Here we go. All right. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? I am a warrior woman because I am and I work and operate in my superpower, which is my identity. Ooh, that was beautiful. I am love that I am. I am. You, that's a, I am statements are my favorite. I love that. That's beautiful. What is a mantra or quote you live by? A mantra or quote that I live by is, if it is to be, it's up to me. I like that. It's so simple, but it's true, right? All back Mm -hmm. to you, all back to us. Anytime I start feeling sorry for myself, I think about my grandfather and what he accomplished in his life. And I, I just, if it is to be, it's up to me. What makes you feel unstoppable? I feel unstoppable when... I'm getting shit done. (laughs) I feel unstoppable when I see the work that I've poured into somebody else. I see them excelling from that. That it energizes me. It's fuel to my tank. Yes. 
What are you most proud of? I am most proud of that I have taken accountability for the good, the bad, and the flaws of my personality and use that to propel me in my career. I see zero flaws in your personality, but fine. <laughs> yeah, I got some. I trust me, I have flaws. <laughs> see any zero flaws? I over here. Um, well, but it is true though. You're using your uniqueness, right? Someone would say maybe it's flaw mm-hmm. or weakness, but you're using your uniqueness as your superpower. Mm-hmm. It is. My family say I talk too much. I get paid to talk. I mean, mouth from the south is getting paid. Yeah, the mouth from the south is getting paid. You know, a lot of people want honesty. I've been known to be very honest. So, and I don't want to be around someone who wants me to be dishonest. Absolutely. What is exciting you the most right now? The possibilities. I I have just started, just the possibilities. When I had that um, vision board brunch, I was amazed at watching the ladies, the light bulb go off. And I was looking in the room. There was a lot of multi-six-figure members in there because I kind of know what levels there. And I was surprised that the light bulb was just going off. And that is like the possibilities are endless. I don't even know what the possibilities are because I spend time thinking about it day in and day out. And I've had to say no to certain things. I'm like, no, I'm going to stay in my lane for now because I'm still learning myself. So just the possibilities. I'm excited that I'm doing this and I'm helping people that I actually help people. And people are like, I had a couple of people like you changed my life. And it was just me being me. That's such a good feeling. It is a good feeling. Well, I love you, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on today and being willing to tell your story and talk about what you're doing now. I'm so, again, I'm going to set up a whole separate Zoom so we can even talk more because we we didn't even get to cover all the things I really want to talk about. Yeah, because I need to talk to you about my podcast. That's right. Yes. because You're still doing that, right? Uh Uh-huh. I do. I help people launch their podcasts. And I also, I'm now coaching people to be a podcast guest because I've learned through all these 90 something podcasts that I've done now that you really, it's a skill to be a good guest, right? And to come on and really, really kill it. So, so, but yes, I do. I still help people launch podcasts. I'd be honored to launch your podcast. Are you kidding me? I've been trying to get you to do that for a couple of years too. So I'll yeah, you have. It's, you you almost said a year, but it's been a couple of years. <laughs> well, I just get, you know, the pivot was harder than I thought, Liz. I, I just did not know. So I didn't think I would have to fight to leave. Yeah. Well, let me say, I am so proud of you. And you did leave. And I don't care how long it took. I don't care about any of that. I care about that you did it and that you show other women what's possible that you're using all of these strengths and talents and gifts and you're pouring into these other women who, you, you know, you're like a lifeline to them. So I think that's, that is what matters most. Yeah. You and the women from more than me, you were a lifeline to me. That was like, it was so raw and it was just, it's like, you just showed up out of nowhere. I just believe when you do the right thing, people show up for you and you don't have to know who they are because that group just, it was at the worst time. I can't even tell you where they come from. I didn't know you. We're on two different coasts. You just it just showed up. Yeah. It just this is why happened. people need to move with intention because the universe will align. It will show up for you when you're doing the right thing.
That was gold. That was a gold nugget you just gave there right at the end of the podcast. So thank you so much, Mary, for coming on today. And thank you for everybody for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star written review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.